All right, go ahead and grab your sermon handout, and we'll start with the obvious thing in the room, because a lot of you guys have probably been wondering, why is this huge elephant on the stage? If you haven't seen the elephant, then you're just blind and need some glasses, but obviously there's a huge elephant right here on the stage, and our sermon series that we're starting tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is called The Elephant in the Room. Everybody say, The Elephant in the Room. I think most of us have heard that phrase before. However, I'm not sure that all of you guys actually know what this phrase means. So as we get started, I figured I'm going to give you a definition of what the elephant in the room means, and then I'll tell you what we're going to be doing, and then we'll go ahead and do what I will tell you to do. So let's go ahead and see what this actually means. It's on the PowerPoint. It is an English metaphorical idiom for an obvious problem or risk no one wants to discuss or a condition of group thing no one wants to challenge. So it's something that's obvious, but no one dares to talk about it because everybody's afraid to challenge the status quo. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna challenge the status quo and we're gonna talk about some stuff that people are afraid to talk about. Is that okay with you guys? So at times, tonight is gonna be very easy, it's gonna be introduction, but there might be times where you'll be a little bit uncomfortable because we're gonna be talking some stuff that will literally relate to you that you may say, hey, I don't really want to discuss this, but we really should, and I think it's going to be important. So here's what we're going to do. What does this mean, and where are we going with all of this? Well, we could have gone in a numerous different ways on this topic. We could have talked about all kinds of stuff. Music could have been one, the elephant in the room. We could have talked about drugs. We could have talked about alcohol. But what we decided to do is we're going to talk about relationship, love, and sex. So those three things we're going to be covering for the next three weeks because there's an elephant in the room. Everybody's like, oh, great. There's an elephant in the room, and we want to discuss this elephant and talk about it just a little bit. Now, here's where we go. I'm going to give you three, our three titles so you kind of know where we're going to be talking and going the next few weeks. Our next three weeks, we're going to be covering three things. Week number one, which is tonight, we're going to be talking about untangling love, and I'll unpack that in just a moment. Next week, we're going to talk about hashtag no filter, and the following week, the last one, we'll be talking about hashtag rewards program. Now, some of these you may not really know where we're going, and that is on purpose because we want you guys to come and then figure it out. But tonight, we're going to be talking about untangling love. And our goal tonight, next week, and the following is to challenge you just a little bit and to make you think. How many of you guys would say you would be willing to go with me on a journey to kind of think a little bit while you're in church for the next three weeks? Okay, the problem is, if you're not willing, you're going to go with me anyway, because you're here, so we're going to do this tonight. So I need you guys to kind of go ahead, start charging up your brain in case you haven't used it all day, and we're going to use it right now. Is that okay? I'm going to throw some stuff at you. We're going to talk about some things, and you need to definitely have your brain on. If not, you're going to be just totally lost. Let me start in prayer, and we'll go from there. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would come in this place. That, Father, as we talk about the elephant in the room, I pray that your anointing will be in this place, that your love will be in this place, that truth will prevail, and that we'll learn something that we love you more. And we pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 So what is untangling love all about? What is love? Honestly, that question has been asked many, many times. There have been many uh, discussions about it. There have been many probably sermons about it. And there have even been songs about it. Talking about going way back, let's go ahead and do this song. Do you guys remember this one? Yeah. Now, this song is terrible. It has a long intro, and then really the whole idea is, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. So love can be pretty hurtful, right? How many of you guys have been hurt by someone that you love? 
Okay, if you have not been hurt by someone that you love, um, then you have not lived life because that just happens. Okay, you can turn it off. Now, what is love? Frankly, your definition of love is probably wrong. And it's probably not correct. So what I want to do is I want to talk about, again, what we think love is, and I'm going to give you the actual definition. As a culture, we seem to have a problem with love because we talk about love all the time. Actually, it's almost like we love being in love and we love talking about love and, and we love everything, right? We love pizza, we love our dog, we love, you know, football, right? And when our team actually wins, but we won't go there. Um, we love TV, we love our mama. I mean, definitely we gotta love her. And then maybe, yeah, we throw Jesus in there too. We love Jesus as well, right? I mean, we love a lot of things. But the question is, you know, what is love? Today I got a text from Papa John's. They text me. I don't know why, but they do. Apparently I signed up for the texting service. So they texted me today, and this is what it says. And let me read this to you because I thought it was funny since I was preparing my message today. It says this, love comes in all shapes and sizes. And then they were advertising their pizza. See, we love all kinds of stuff, and love is everywhere. Society will tell you that love is all these different things all mashed up into one, and then you kind of have this big, broad definition of love, almost like this rubber ball right here, which is made out of rubber bands, right? And it takes a lot of rubber bands to make this ball. I need it back, though. I'm just going to throw it around a little bit. It takes a lot of bands. I don't know. Anyone want to take a guess how many uh, rubber bands are in it? What do you think? All right. So there is hundreds of rubber bands in there. Thank you. And what the world, I'll, I may throw it a little later. What the world will tell you is that love is made out of a lot of different things. I think that's not true. I think that's not biblical. I think biblically we can define love in one sentence. I'm going to do that in just a second. But if we were to define love by just one sentence from a worldly point of view, I think this is how it would be defined. If the world would define love with just one sentence, actually one word, love would be this. Love would be all about pleasure. Love equals pleasure. And it really is focused on oneself. If you think about everything that we do, when we talk about love, isn't it all focused on us? When we talk about, I love so-and-so, I love this, what are we talking about? We're talking about us and the things that give us pleasure. Does that make sense? Love is all about pleasure. It's all about us. And when we truly love someone, then we should get pleasure out of that. There's a problem with that. Because if we love someone and we want pleasure out of that, then the person on the receiving end will have to give us something for that. And then they are not really receiving love. Does that make sense? So this is not working when love is all about pleasure, because if I say, for example, we see this in dating relationships, if you truly loved me, you would do, fill in the blank, right? Anytime in dating, it's all about, if you love me, you would give me pleasure. That's what the world defines as love. We love everything, and everything is one big thing, and I don't think it's the right thing. Webster defines love as this. 
A feeling of strong attachment induced by that which delights or commands admiration, preeminent kindness or devotion, affection, tenderness as the love of brothers and sisters, especially devoted attachment to tender or passionate affection for one for the opposite sex. Now this is what Webster says, which is a pretty good definition, but let's go one step further. Let's see what the Bible says about love and let's see how the Bible defines love. I want to give you two verses that all of you guys probably have heard before and I want us to think about if we only had these two verses, what would our one word definition of love be? So here we go. Verse number one is found in John 3:16, and everybody knows this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The next one is found in John 15 verse 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Now, if you only had these two verses, and you would have to come up with a one-word definition of love, it would not be pleasure, would it be? No. Not at all. It would be the complete opposite, and love would be defined as this. Love equals sacrifice. And the focus would be on others, not on oneself. See, the world will tell you it's all about pleasure. Focus on you. It's all about you. Yet the Bible teaches the exact opposite where it says love is sacrificial. And the focus is actually on others. So that's a really interesting thing, completely, completely different. Now, what I want to do for the next few minutes that we have together, I want to go into the Greek. And I want to give you four words in the Greek that all talk about love. Some of you guys have heard this before, but I'm going to give you some new stuff. And so you're going to learn four Greek words tonight. Is that okay with you guys? <laughs> Greek is awesome, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're like, I don't even know what Greek is. But here we go. So four types of love that are there. They were there in the Greek world. They had four different words for it. Word number one is the word eros, which is sexual love. The Greeks use this word and it's, again, it's eros, it stands for sexual love. And I want to show you all the scripture verses that are in the Bible that have this specific kind of love. You guys ready for this? Are you sure? You're like, I don't want to know. All right, here we go. So let's put them on there, all verses that are in the Bible like this. Did you guys know that the New Testament does not use that word at all? See, when people talk about these four, love, these four loves, you know, in the Greek, it always seems like it's part of the New Testament, but it actually is not. Now, it doesn't mean that there's nothing about sexuality in the New Testament. There's lots of verses, but not one of them uses this Greek word about sexual love. And there is a reason for that, because the Greeks, if they would have defined this word, it would have been um, all about the emphasis on, on erotic kind of love. Eros kind of love seeks its own satisfaction. It seeks to possess the object of love, Eros is a suitor ever in need of gratification of its own desires, which actually almost sounds like the kind of love that the world will try to sell you, which is the love that equals pleasure. But this is actually not in the New Testament. Now, there's three other ones. Love number two, the next Greek word, is storgeo. And this is actually the kind of love that is family love. It's mentioned once in 2 Timothy 3.3. And then again, it's only mentioned once. What I want to really do is focus on the next two. The next one is love number three. It's called phileo. Everybody say phileo. phileo. 
And this is the friendship kind of love. And what does that mean? If you want to define this, this is used very frequently in the New Testament and often is defined as to love, to like, or even sometimes to kiss. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, when Judas, one of the disciples, betrayed Jesus in the garden, he went over to Jesus and he kissed him. The Greek word there actually is phileo, or he phileoed him. So that's used very often to love, to like, and even to kiss. It's a friendship kind of love. It's the kind of love that you should have with the person that you're sitting next to right now, right? You kind of love them. They're great. They're, you don't like them sitting next to you? Oh, okay. You're like, I don't like the person next to me. That's terrible. So this is the kind of love that we should all have. In Matthew 10, 37, this is one of the verses in the Bible where it's used, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So that's, again, the word love here. It's in connotation with family kind of love. And then we come to love number four, which is agape. You've all heard that. Everybody say agape. agape. Awesome. Heads up. Didn't, okay. Agape, which is sacrificial kind of love. Now, what does this mean? Actually, the Greeks used this love, and when they used it, it meant um, showing kindness to strangers, giving hospitality, and being charitable. All right, who's got it? Put it back to me. I'm going to just keep throwing it around, so just pay attention. Um, it meant being hospital, being charitable, just showing kind of love. Now, the New Testament picked up this word, and when they did, it kind of got a special meaning. And the special meaning for this word in the New Testament then became it was not just an emotional love anymore, but a truly sacrificial love. It speaks of loving compassion and kindness. It's the kind of love that does not come naturally. It's a divine kind of love. In other words, you can only have this love if you have given your life to Jesus. That's the only way that you can have this kind of love. Now, once you have this love in you, then you can love others in a way that you were never able to love them before. This is the agape kind of love. And it's the one that we see in John 3:16 that we read earlier, in John 15, verse 13. No one has no greater love is there than lay down someone, your life for someone else. That's what it talks about, where it's sacrificial. In other words, you do something that is not something that you may even want to do, but it's better for the other person. Does that make sense? So we have four types of love. The two that are really important that we want to focus on today is phileo and agape. Again, friendship and sacrificial kind of love. Everybody got that? Yes. I want to show you a scripture verse where both of these loves are used. And it's an interesting thing because in that scripture verse, one person is asking for agape kind of love, and the other person is given phileo kind of love. This is a story about Peter and Jesus. Peter had just denied Jesus three times, and Peter um, then meets Jesus after Jesus' resurrection. They have breakfast together, and Jesus and Peter have this dialogue, and I want to read this to you, and then we're going to kind of unpack the Greek here for just a moment. Here's what it says. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it for the third time, do you love me? And he asked, said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Now, you are just reading this, and you're not knowing anything. And it seems like, okay, why is Jesus asking him the same question three times? This is rude, right? Well, first off, Peter had denied him three times. So I think there's a reason why Jesus is doing that. But there's also something interesting in the Greek here. 
As you can see, I underlined love twice. Jesus actually is saying to Peter, Peter, do you agape me? Are you willing to love me sacrificially? And what is Peter's response? I phileo you. I love you, but not that much. And then Jesus asked him again, Peter, do you love me? Do you agape me? And then again, Peter says, no, I only really phileo you. And then Jesus is finally saying, okay, Peter, do you phileo me? And then he says, yes, I do. And it's not the kind of love. Jesus is asking for agape, sacrificial kind of love from Peter. And Peter is not really willing to give that. Now, later in his life, if you know the story of Peter, he gave agape kind of love because he was actually crucified upside down. But at that moment, he was not willing to. And I want to ask you guys a question tonight. If Jesus were to ask you tonight, gentlemen, ladies, if he were to ask you tonight, do you love me in an agape, in a sacrificial kind of way? Would you respond and say, yes, I agape you? Or would you go to the friendship level and say, no, it's not quite as much, maybe even further down the road and say, well, Jesus, you're kind of cool, but I'm not willing to sacrifice anything for you. Because here's the deal. He sacrificed everything for you. What is love? Love is a sacrificial kind of love. In John 13, verses 34 and 35, it says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Not just as Jesus asking you, do you love me like this. He's asking you, do you love your neighbor like that? Are you willing to lay down your life for the person next to you? See, it's easy if I ask two brothers right here whether you guys would be willing to die for one another. Most likely you would say yes because you really love each other. But what if I go a couple of places down and then you're like, I don't, you're supposed to have that kind of love. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're supposed to have sacrificial kind of love. Now what does this mean for us in relationships and friendships and everything going on? It means this, that we need to love one another sacrificially. Like what our pastor says when it comes to love. He says this, love is doing what is best for someone else at any cost to oneself. See, we need to deliberately protect our friendships and our romantic relationships, and to ensure that, we need to make sure that we have sacrificial kind of love. If you love someone sacrificially, you will put them first, and you will not put yourself first. Does that make sense? And then when you have that, you have a really, really good foundation. As a matter of fact, I put this in your hand up. Truly loving someone means you may have to forfeit other things so that you can keep your love for that person pure and undivided. It's important for you to understand when you truly love someone, they come first. And then maybe even something that you really, really want, you are not doing it or you're not willing to ask for it because you're putting them first. If you have a guy, ladies, that will ask you, hey, if you really love me, then you would do this. What you should do is, I would slap him, but I'm not telling you to slap him, but you should just walk away and never talk to him again. That is rude, and it's, it's a love that is all about selfish and, and self and pleasure. He should never be asking that kind of a question, because if he truly loved you and truly cared, he would say, how can I serve you, and there's nothing in that that is wrong. Does that make sense to you guys? So the, the sexual stuff should never be part of the relationship. I love board games. I love books. I love... TV shows and all these different things, and I collect stuff. And sometimes I buy board games that have like cards in them. And those cards, if you don't watch it, they sometimes get bent. And have you ever played any deck building games? And what you do if you do those kind of deck building games, you spend extra money to get some card sleeves to make sure that every single card is protected. You know, that gets really expensive. But if you value something enough, 
you will spend some extra money on it. And it's the same in relationships. When you really value the person, you're willing to forfeit or willing to pay the extra price. My wife and I, when we were dating or courting, whatever it is that you want to call it, we made a decision that we were not going to have sex or not going to kiss before we get married. Why? Because I wanted to value her and tell her that, you know what, I want to know who you are and I really want to value you, and I know that both of us, we want to stay pure before marriage and everything, so I'm going to make sure that I put value in Does that make sense? So I was willing to pay the price. If it's valuable in our eyes, we will protect it, and we will fight for it, and we'll do something. I want to challenge you guys to protect already your future spouse. Already work on it. I know you're 11, 12, and 13, you're not thinking about it, but protect yourself, protect your future spouse. Protect your love for your parents. Make sure that you value them above <laughs> yourself. That would be a good sermon in and of itself, wouldn't it be? And no one is saying amen and shouting me down. But that's okay. Protect your love for your future uh, friends, uh, kids, and all these. You have, we have to protect our love and make sure that we do something. What is love? Let me close by saying this once again. Love is sacrificial. And if love is really sacrificial, that means you really care and you value that person above yourself. I hope that you guys have an aha moment tonight, like, okay, this is what love is all about. Love is about sacrificing, not about pleasure. And you make that the foundation of all your relationships. And then, the next couple of weeks, we can really start addressing the elephant in the room when it comes to love, sex, and relationships. But we have to start tonight by talking about love. Frankie, if you can start playing in the background. Here's my challenge for you. We all have a definition of love. Some of you guys came in with one and maybe you've heard a new one. The challenge tonight is this, change the definition of love to love equals sacrifice. And it's not about yourself, but it's really about others. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray right now that you would come in this place. Holy Spirit, I did the best that I could. I ask that you would just kind of move on our hearts right now and that you would do something mighty and powerful in Jesus' name. If you can keep your eyes closed, you may be in here tonight and um, Honestly, if you really want to have a sacrificial love, you need to really protect your love. And some of you guys, you had a wrong definition of love. If you really thought about it, you would have probably leaned more towards the pleasure kind of love and not the sacrifice. Or maybe you know in your head that it is, should be sacrificed, but really your life is saying something completely different. And so I want you guys to close your eyes for a second. And if that's you, we're saying, hey, I am willing to redefine my definition of love tonight by a biblical standard where love equals sacrifice. And I'm going to put that into my value system tonight. Would you put your hand up high so I can pray over you real quick? Awesome. Anybody else? Cool. Let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, I pray that the hands raised and even the ones that are sitting here, Father, that we will make sure that love in our value system equals sacrifice, which is the biblical definition of love. And we pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Amen. Closing out, would you turn to your neighbor? And I think it would be cool if you guys actually tell your neighbor something that you really admire and like about themselves. Kind of love on them for a moment in a phileo kind of way, because it's friendship. And, uh, and just tell them a couple of things that you think are cool about them. And then you guys are dismissed, and we will see you next week as we discuss once again the elephant in the room. <laughs>